My producer Tim went missing at the end of the mid-season finale of America, the podcast. And I, Pepadias A. Stard, the embodiment of and only hope for America, aim to find him. These are the Search for Tim transmissions. Hello, America. It's me, Thebe Stard, a.k.a. the embodiment of and only hope for America. And welcome to another SFTT, Search for Tim Transmission. Following the instructions of my friend and the embodiment of and only hope for Mother Russia, Rasputin, I have found my way to Wiltshire, England, the home of the one and only Stonehenge, known to you commoners as a, uh... A druid religious site, but known to me and other Illuminati types as a sort of, uh, stargate that, uh, can transport you to various other planets. Side note, it is nice to be able to talk about Illuminati secrets without my producer saying, Hey, stop, you're going to get murdered by a bunch of different Illuminati people in black suits. Anyways, as I was shouting, the Stonehenge structure itself is a sort of stargate, but I can't seem to find the on switch anywhere. Full disclosure, I've been walking around for about an hour checking each and every rock, but yeah, I keep coming up empty-handed. The search would go a little bit faster if people would quit stopping me to take pictures because they think I'm a Rothschild. Yes, well, my suit is very expensive and amazing, and my looks very dastardly, or bastardly, depending on when you started listening to this show, I am not a Rothschild. First and foremost, I'm an American, and second, I am laughably more rich than them by leaps and bounds. So... Um, that said, since I have now wasted an hour of my very important time taking pictures with tourists and, well, searching for a power source on what are clearly solid rocks, I will now be taking the secret Illuminati stairs down to the catacombs of Stonehenge. Once I reach the catacombs, I will attempt to wake the sleeping druid who keeps the secret magic of Stonehenge safe, the uh, one that Rasputin told me about. While I make my way down there, I now take you to semi-important questions. Our first semi-important question comes from Little Alex from Yucca Valley, California. Little Alex writes, Dear Mr. Thebadias, Why is there no record of you anywhere in history? Signed, Little Alex, Yucca Valley, California. Well, Little Alex, to put it simply, I have paid off every historian, living and dead, to scrub me from the historic record. And to prevent you from asking a follow-up question, because we know follow-up questions are not allowed... I had to do it because I am the embodiment of and only hope for America, and it kind of comes with the territory. America can't actually know I exist, which is why I do this podcast, because nobody listens to podcasts, right? Anyways, on to the next question. Our next question comes from Little Alexa from Denton, Texas. Little Alexa writes, Dear Mr. Thebadias, do you have any siblings, and if so, how are they still alive? Well, first, I said no follow-up questions. But second... Yes, I have one brother and a mother who are still alive, and it's a sort of a Fred Claus situation. When I became the embodiment of an only hope for America, they, uh, well, they also stayed alive as well. So, uh, if you don't know Fred Claus, I suggest you go watch it. Great movie, Vince Vaughn, Paul Giamatti as Santa Claus. Um, sort of like my life, in the sense that I am, well, sort of friends with Santa Claus, but, uh, well, he also has tried to murder me and my producer, so... Maybe not that close to friends, I don't know. Um, I, I Wait, I think I'm lost in this question. What, what was it? Do I have siblings? Oh, yes. My brother and mother, who shall remain nameless, at least for now. Anyways, next question. Our next question comes from Little Sarah from Topeka, Kansas. Little Sarah writes, Dear Mr. Thebadias, Since there were no real episodes in 2019, you are aware that you're technically in your fourth season, right? 
Well, to that I say, shut up. Just shut your mouth. It's best not to pick apart the logic of this show, or it's a release schedule. Anyways, this has been Semi-Important Questions. Gotta love that wonderful ding. I do love answering your semi-important questions, but not as much as I love me. That's a separate thing. Anyways, I am now here in the catacombs of the Stonehenge structure, and, uh, well, where is this goddamn door? Uh, ah, there it is. Big, oh my god. Thirteen stories tall, at least. Well, I guess I better knock. Uh, hello? Druid? Rasputin sent me. I'm the embodiment of America. Hello? Mm, let's try knocking more. Hello? Koe? Ah, wonderful. You're awake. Listen, I need, uh, I need to turn on the Stargate and Stonehenge. Can you help me? Kofe Anad. Oh, shit. Well, America, it seems there's a bit of a language barrier here. And by language, I mean dead language. Well, while me and this druid fellow here search for a, I guess, Celtic to English dictionary, I now take you to a pre-recorded segment. I don't know which segment, because I'm out here trying to do this thing. I've pre-recorded a bunch, left them with my studio, and they just plop them in. You can also just listen to them live on my Instagram, at AmericaThePodcast. Are you on Instagram, druid fellow? No? He's looking at me he, like he does not know what I'm talking about. Okay, now go to the segment. Okay, let's see what's in the news today. Fire season? What the hell is fire season? America, did you know this? Hello, America. It's me, Thebe Stard, a.k.a. the embodiment of an only hope for America. And I've made a startling discovery. America, did you know that we've added a fifth season to our magnificent American calendar? There is, of course, fall, or known by your most insufferable friends as spooky season, and then on to winter, or Jesus's birthday season, and then on to spring, where the flowers commence coitus and their allergen sex dust once again takes hold of the nostrils of humanity. And then comes summer. Sweet little summer. It used to be a time when you could go outside with your friends, swim in one of your Olympic-sized swimming pools, or even go whale hunting on one of your giga yachts. But lurking in the humid shadows of the beloved summer season was none other than fire season. That's right. Did you know that thousands of fires have been raging across the country for years? It's true. I even heard California had at least one fire this year. What's that? They had over 6,000 fires. How so? Oh, right. Fire season. According to the USDA, fire season used to last around three months, but can now last up to six to eight months. That means it cuts into my spring gardening time, and even worse, my fall pumpkin spice latte time. What could have caused something so terrible such as fire season? Could it have been the deep state? Mm, no, I'm actually a member of the deep state, so I feel like I would have heard something about that by now. Uh, George Soros. No, he would have mentioned something at the last Illuminati meeting. Uh, that Jewish space laser that Marjorie Taylor Greene's always talking about. Oh, wait, nope, got the keys for it right here. Then what could it be? Climate change. What? Climate change. Preposterous. How could climate change have caused any of this? Fifteen minutes of basic research later. Jesus Christ, what have we done? I invested billions not realizing that sweet, sweet dinosaur goo could cause any harm. I have to do something about this. I guess I could put all of my investments into green energy, but someone on Fox told me that's stupid and un-American, so I don't know. I guess I can deal with the fires for now. If I see one approaching, I'll just go to the top of a very tall building. 
It's not like fires can climb and burn down buildings, right? Right? This has been, did you know this? It's America, the podcast. Riveting stuff as usual. Well, while you were listening to that, me and the druid here figured a way out to talk to each other, and we are now trying to activate Stonehenge so I can head to Alpha Centauri. Is that where I'm going? Ah, it seems our language barrier has not been completely broken down yet because I don't know what you said. So while I study this Celtic to English dictionary a bit more, I invite you to study these commercials to uh, figure out how I can sell better to you or whoever is running these ads. I'm not real sure. We'll be right back after these messages. It's America, the podcast! And we're back, America. Well, me and the druid fellow have now been able to turn on the Stargate, but, uh, it's, uh, well, it's not sending me to another planet. Which is a bit frustrating, because I was really looking forward to seeing some aliens again. What do I mean by again? Well, you'll have to hear in the Roswell episode in season 8 or 9 of America, the podcast. So, while I attempt to figure out where he's sending me, um, let's go to very important readings. On today's very important readings, we travel back to the midnight ride of Paul Revere. And as we all know, I was there and gave my own account. However, we did not give an account of, well, the key figure in that event, Mr. Paul Revere. So today I will be reading from the affidavit written by Paul Revere himself to give his own account of that evening. Mr. Revere writes in, uh, well, a lot of run-on sentences. But, uh, he writes nonetheless. Paul Revere of Boston, in the colony of Massachusetts Bay, in New England, of lawful age, doth testify and say that I was sent for by Dr. Joseph Warren, of said Boston, on the evening of the 18th of April, about 2 o'clock, when he desired me to go to Lexington and inform Mr. Samuel Adams and the Honorable John Hancock Esquire that there was a number of soldiers composed of light troops and grenadiers marching to the bottom of the common, there was a number of boats to receive them. It was supposed that they were going to Lexington by the way of Cambridge River to take them or to go to Concord to destroy the colony stores. I proceeded immediately and was put across Charles River and landed near Charleston Battery, went in town, and there got a horse. While in Charleston, I was informed by Richard Devins, Esquire, that he met that evening after sunset nine officers of the Ministerial Army mounted on good horses and armed going towards Concord. I set off, it was about 11 o'clock, the moon shone bright. I had got almost over Charleston Common towards Cambridge when I saw two officers on horseback standing under the shade of a tree in a narrow part of the road. I was near enough to see their holsters and cockades. One of them started his horse towards me, the other up the road as I supposed to head me should I escape the first. I turned my horse short about and rid up a full gallop for Mystic Road. He followed me about 300 yards and finding he could not catch me, returned. I proceeded to Lexington through Mystic and alarmed Mr. Adams and Colonel Hancock. After I had been there about half an hour, Mr. Dawes arrived who came from Boston over the neck. We set off for Concord and were overtaken by a young gentleman named Prescott who belonged to Concord and was going home. 
When we had got about halfway from Lexington to Concord, the other two stopped at a house to awake a man. I kept along, and when I had got about 200 yards ahead of them, I saw two officers as before. I called to my company to come up, saying there were two of them, for I had told them what Mr. Devins told me, and of my being stopped. In an instant, I saw four of them who rode up to me with their pistols in hand, said, God damn you, stop. If you go an inch further, you're a dead man. Immediately, Mr. Prescott came up. We attempted to get through them, but they kept before us and swore if we did not turn into the pasture, they would blow our brains out. They had placed themselves opposite to a pair of bars and taken the bars down, they forced us in. When we had got in, Mr. Prescott said to put on. He took to the left, I to the right towards the wood, at the bottom of the pasture, intending, when I gained that, to jump my horse and run afoot. Just as I reached it, out started six officers, seized my bridle, put their pistols to my breast, ordered me to dismount, which I did. One of them, who appeared to have the command there, and much of the gentleman, asked me where I came from. I told him. He asked me what time I left it. I told him. He seemed surprised, said, Sir, may I crave your name? I answered, My name is Revere. What said he, Paul Revere? I answered, yes. The others abused much, but he told me not to be afraid. No one should hurt me. I told him they would miss their aim. He said they should not. They were only waiting for some deserters they expected down the road. I told him I knew better, and I knew what they were after. That I had alarmed the county all the way up, that their boats were catched aground, and I should have 500 men there soon. One of them said they had 1,500 coming. He seemed surprised, rode off, into the road, and informed them who took me. They came down immediately on full gallop, one of them whom I since learned was Major Mitchell of the 5th Regiment, clapped his pistol to my head and said he was going to ask me some questions, and if I did not tell the truth, he would blow my brains out. I told him I esteemed myself a man of truth, that he stopped me on the highway and made me a prisoner. I knew not by what right. I would tell him the truth. I was not afraid. He then asked me the same questions that the other did, and many more, but was more particular. I gave him much of the same answers. He then ordered me to mount my horse, but they first searched me for pistols. When I was mounted, the major took my reins out of my hand and said, By God, sir, you are not to ride with reins, I assure you, and gave them to an officer to my right to lead me. He then ordered four men out of the bushes and to mount their horses. They were countrymen which they had stopped who were going home, then ordered us to march. He said to me, we are now going towards your friends, and if you attempt to run, or we are insulted, we will blow your brains out. When we had gotten to the road, they formed a circle and ordered the prisoners in the center and to lead me in the front. We rid towards Lexington, a quick pace. They often insulted me, calling me rebel, etc., etc. After we had got about a mile, I was given to the sergeant to lead. He was ordered to take out his pistol, he rode with a hanger, and if I run, to execute the major's sentence. When we had got about within a half a mile of the meeting house, we heard a gun fired. The major asked me what it was for. I told him to alarm the country. He ordered the four prisoners to dismount. They did. Then one of the officers dismounted and cut the bridles and saddles off the horses and drove them away and told the men they might go about their business. I asked the major to dismiss me. He said that he would carry me, let the consequence be what it will. He then ordered us to march. When we had got within sight of the meeting house, we heard a volley of guns fired, as I supposed at the tavern, as an alarm. The major ordered us to halt. He asked how far it was to Cambridge, and many more questions which I answered. He then asked the sergeant if his horse was tired. He said yes. He ordered him to take my horse. I dismounted, and the sergeant mounted my horse. They cut the bridle in the saddle of the sergeant's horse and rode off down the road. 
I then went to the house where I left Mr. Adams and Hancock and told them what had happened. Their friends advised them to go off the way. I went with them about two miles across road. After arresting myself, I set off with another man to go back to the tavern to inquire the news. Side note, that other man was me, Febe Stard. Okay, back to very important readings. When we got there, we were told the troops were within two miles, so we went into the tavern to get the trunk of papers belonging to Colonel Hancock. Before we left the house, I saw the ministerial troops from the chamber window. We made haste and passed through the militia, who were on the green behind the meeting house, to the number, as I suppose, about uh, 50 or 60. I went through them. As I passed, I heard the commanding officer speak to the men to this purpose. Let the troops pass by and don't molest them without them beginning first. I had to go across the road, but had not got half a gunshot off when the ministerial troops appeared in sight behind the meeting house. They made a short halt. When one gun was fired, I heard the report, turned my head, and saw the smoke in front of the troops. They immediately gave a great shout, ran a few paces, and then the hole fired. I could first distinguish irregular firing, which I supposed was the advance guard, and then platoons. At this time, I could not see our militia, for they were covered from me by a house at the bottom of the street, and further saith not. End statement from Mr. Paul Revere. Well, America, I will say this. While Mr. Revere's account of that evening is slightly different than mine, in the sense that it includes more threats of blowing one's brains out, the story is roughly the same, mostly because he lists me in the story as man and nothing more, and, uh, doesn't actually know who fired the first shot. But you, the listener, know who fired the first shot in the American Revolution. Me, Febe Stard, a.k.a. the embodiment of an only hope for America. So you can listen to that story in episode three of America the Podcast this season. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to shout that. America, the podcast, this season. Anyways, this has been Very Important Readings. Riveting stuff, as usual, for the second part of this episode. Anyways, guess what? I'm sneaking another ad in. Why? Because I love capitalism. Come on, have, how have you not figured that out by now? All right, we'll be right back after this. It's America, the podcast! It's America, the podcast! And we're back, America. Well, I have finally figured out what the hell this druid has been saying this whole time, and apparently the Stargate I thought the Stonehenge was is just a, uh, well, a transporter to different parts of the planet that uh, have corresponding magical structures. And the only structure that is currently active that we can connect with is, uh, well, it's in Transylvania. And you guessed it, at none other than the castle of Vlad Dracula of perfect seeing the next search for tim transmission will be taking place during the week of halloween it's kind of spooky almost like i planned the episodes out that way did i no not at all actually it just kind of worked out that way but i will be in your ears again soon america from transylvania and uh, i think it's romania where is transylvania hey druid where, where the hell am i going Ethrin. i'll figure it out when i get there Thanks for listening, America. Please remember to subscribe to the episode on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Um, also, follow us on social media. On, uh, what is it? America the Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook and at America the Pod on Twitter. I think I got that right. 
All right, good night and good fight. Here I go! It's America, the podcast! This has been a production of Shui Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shuimedia.com. Thank you.